Pickaxe. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks for dropping into the cast party. Join the cast and crew as they are zoinked from their Hollywood film set into the crazy world of Dungeons and Dragons. And action! So y'all know I'm from Michigan, right? And like, y'all ever heard of the Michigan Dogman? So like, each state has like one cryptid that's from that state, and it's kind of like the state cryptid. Like, every state has a state bird or state tree or whatever, and for Michigan, it's the Dogman. Which, like, as a fan of... Ow, fucking branch. As, as a fan of cryptids, it's kind of a lame pull. Like, there are so many cool, wacky creatures out there for different states, and we just got the Dogman. Like, a Wendigo? That's cool. That's scary. That's Minnesota. Or the Rougarou, which is, like, just a cooler werewolf. That's Louisiana. Or even fucking Pennsylvania with Squonk. That poor sad bastard got such a bad role as a creature, but it's still more interesting than that dog, man. Get off me, you damn flower. Ugh. But, uh, whatever. Anyway, the, uh, the dog man is a whack story, too. Like, two lumberjacks chased a dog into a corner and poked it with a stick. Then it stood up and was like, I am sick of these purple trees. Uh, no, sorry. He didn't say that. I said that. Uh, he stood up and was like, yo, and the lumberjacks ran away, even though the dog man was chill. Like, blue eyes, calm demeanor, chest of, like, a man, um, probably held its hand out to shake, like, a nice, docile cryptid, and that's not really common. I mean, honestly, that could have just been a hairy dude. Like, no one in the 1800s knew what was going on, so it literally could have just been a dude that wasn't doing so hot, or couldn't speak or something. Anyway, this is a long-winded way of me suggesting a new animal for you, Blue. Uh, like, you can still be, like, a wolf, but can use, like, doors and stuff. Looking for a way to support the show, all while getting ad-free episodes, exclusive behind-the-scenes info, or maybe even hilarious monthly one-shots? Well then, boy do I have the site for you! Hop on over to patreon.com slash castparty right now and join the greatest community this side of the TTRPG world. You'll get access to our community Discord, where we host live listening parties with all of us for every single Cast Party episode, community-driven game nights, live streams, hangouts, and so much more. Patreon.com slash castparty. What are you waiting for? Join the cast and crew today and get all sorts of exclusive bonus goodies. We hope to see you there! Thank you all so much for listening. Enjoy the episode, cast and crew. 
Hello everyone and welcome to Cast Party. My name is Colin McManuson. I will be your director for today. I am joined by my still cast and crew, Ryan McManus. Hi, Sebastian Vivaldi Greensleeves, an emo at heart musician whose favorite piece of band merch he's ever gotten is the Weird Al Chia Pet. It's a mold of Weird Al's head where you get to grow his lush afro. He really hopes his parents remember to water it while he's gone. Anna Brisbane. Blueberry Sky, elven druid actress, saving the world through art, who whenever she would have more than a month between projects, she would take a week or so to visit some national park. At least she had been for the past two years while she was in a relationship up until about six months ago. So yeah, um, the break she had before through the realms of Miria was the first time she didn't go anywhere. Was that her like travel partner? You don't know. I, oh, we must dig deeper. <laughs> <laughs> Nigel Deacon. Hey there, hi there, ho there, Xander Gucci Supreme, who has a birthmark on the back of his left shoulder that is very clearly a tic-tac-toe game where the O won. He studied it and learned the optimal way to get to that win. Now, whenever he plays, he makes sure he gets the O, and he goes second, and he's basically guaranteed that same win. If he gets the X, though, he somehow manages to lose on turn one. <laughs> On turn one? (laughs) (laughs) Vince Perito. Jet the Boulder Chambers, the big burly heartthrob who one day accepted a uh, new role in a in a action movie and he had to shave his beard and get a nice mustache. And the first day that he did it, he walked out of the bathroom and he uh, he went to his mom and said, what do you think? And she said he looked like a porn star. So he immediately went and shaved the rest of it off and quit the movie that day. What a way to quit a movie. And joining us once again, we have Luis Carrazo. Hey, everybody. Uh, So I am playing Lobos, who is from Umberdale, uh, right on the outskirts of the Witch Fen Forest. And one thing that you may or may not have noticed about Lobos last time is that the accent that is common for the inhabitants of Umberdale has been lost. He does not speak with the same dialect as that of his parents, even. So at some point along his travels, he's changed it up or lost it organically or purposefully or uh, we don't know. Curious. Mm. Ooh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, same. It's like, oh, yeah, we met his dad and his mom yeah. and they had an accent. <laughs> what? And his childhood friends. <laughs> I just feel dumb right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, let's talk about what happened last time. A half-elven man helped Sebastian out of the water as Blueberry, in a giant eagle form, soared to the airship wreckage. Jet was badly injured, while Xander was pinned by a large table as the water quickly filled what was left of this cabin. Blueberry brought them to safety after destroying the table that was holding Xander against the wall. On the beach, you spoke with the half-elven man who you found out to be Lobos. You introduced yourself as he tried to get as much information from you as possible before a group from Umberdale closed in on you. The people from Umberdale showed up, including familiar faces to Lobos. Through an elaborate lie, Lobos told Lada that he indeed was aboard the ship, and he brought you others to assist Umberdale. Lada told him the Kateval would want to see him, and that the council is no more. You made your way to Umberdale, met the Kateval, Lobos' father, Xander and Jet were taken to the infirmary while Sebastian, Lobos, and Blueberry stayed with his parents. 
Edlis told you what happened to the council and that this place is their last fight against the forest. You expressed you wanted to assist Umberdale and determine what was happening in the center of the forest and to stop its expansion. Edlis expected the four of you to go and leave Lobos here to assist Umberdale. He refused and pushed that he needs to go with the party. Edlis, angry, put you up at the inn for the night. Xander and Jet got their wounds looked at, saw a bit of what the forest has done to others of Umberdale, and reunited with Nurse Joyce. You finally met back up at the Branded Axe, talked for a while, made a bit of a ruckus dropping some drinks. You spoke for a while in Lobos's room about your home plane and figured out how to possibly get you back to the unknown land of LA. Before going to bed, Xander saw the word Blightmore and Nomura in his photo he took of Lobos and was called into the forest, saying that he will be safe in his video. When sleeping, he had an odd dream, floating on a piece of ice in a large gray sea, an island with reverse waterfalls, and flashes of visions of the Witchfen forest and a large spherical object with a hole in its side. Xander felt called to it. Upon awakening, you headed into the forest. Edlis wished you a safe journey and gave you a familial cloak to assist you in hiding Lobos and you ventured forth into the forest. Surprisingly, the morning was extremely calm. You walked for quite a long time before seeing much more than the scenery around you change, until Lobos spotted a woman made of decaying driftwood, standing motionless in the forest. Now, Lobos in the lead, you can see this woman a good 60 feet away from you. She's not in your path, and she stares ahead in your direction, completely still. And so the scene is set. Question is, what will you do next? Immediately upon noticing this figure, I will stop and I will raise my hand up to signal for the group to stop as well. And I point her out. It looks like we have company. Oh, hostile. Is that a carving? Or a victim. Or something else. Now, do you want to take a closer look? Because we are actually heading this way, and I'll point towards the direction that we're actually moving. Let me try something. Can I send Nomura over there, invisible as he flies over, to just, like, touch its face? Right in front of this thing touches the left side of its face, head moves towards where the movement came from. Deathly still. Maybe we don't want to get close. You've never seen anything like this before, Lobos? Well, this is lined up with what my father was telling us, but I personally have not seen that. Not just yet. I, I feel like we should avoid... We might not be able to, and that most likely is not the only one, so I say we move forward. Time is of the essence, but we need to keep our eyes open and expect for there to be many more of them. Yeah. Checking in with my companions, I wait for any resistance as I start to move forward and lead the party deeper into the woods. Continue going through the woods. Xander, who is in the back. Xander, as you finally start walking, the rest of them are moving again quietly through this forest as much as you can. You do start to hear movement from that left side. 
this woman takes a step. Doesn't look like it's really able to move in a straight line. Even it's slowly dragging her left foot more than like walking on it. And it looks like her head can't stay super strongly on her neck. And it kind of wobbles with the momentum as she starts to move, ambling towards you. Um, stand guard, y'all. I think wood lady's following us. What if we just run? I was going to say, how fast can that thing be? It's, I mean, it's kind of slow right now. We could just go. Let me ask you a question before we run. As I'm looking at this figure starting to shamble towards us, it's very likely that that is someone from where I grew up. If we were where you were from, and you found yourself confronted with something like that, with the possibility that that might be someone you know, what would you do right now? Oh god, it's the zombie thing. It's like the what if you were in a zombie apocalypse situation. Yeah. You gotta take out the person you care about, you can't let that go. But what if there's a cure? What if we fix the island and then they go back to normal? But uh, something like this, I mean, we've never, ever, nobody's ever seen anything like this in our world. If we did, we'd have to go get them. Well, okay, what if we just, what if we, what if we trip her up and then slow her down and then we can just dive further into the forest? And then if we find the cure, it all goes back and then she's just on the floor and we come back and she's better. How do we know that she's, she's bad to begin with? You, you know how to figure out if she's bad. I'm looking right at you, Jet. Oh. Oh, you're right. Let me, let me take a closer look at her. I know you're new here and I know you're discovering what you can do. No, I, I hear you. I, I can feel it in people sometimes. Don't get too close. I'll just walk a little bit closer to her and take a better look at her and try to get a good sense of who she is. Lois is watching Jet like a hawk. And I'll use my uh, divine sense. While he's doing so, everyone give me perception checks. Wow. I got a three. <laughs> it's a natural 20 with a brand new dice. Ah! 21. 27. Fitting, I rolled, uh, I got an 11, but I think I'm, I'm watching Jet. So first off, you see as you start actually moving towards it, it stops moving. This is undead. Oh. And so is the other creature within your range. And you look, there's another one of these beings just behind a tree made of this plant life. It looks like wooden vines stretch along to make a pretty wide build humanoid. Though at its neck, there is no head. Its neck, it looks like a chain multiple interwoven vines together and at the other end of this three foot long chain is a head made out of pure wood it looks bald with only one eye so i will stop in place turn my head back towards the one in front of me my tail i'm going to point it towards the other one and kind of have it like poke at that direction for everybody to look what I'm going to do next is I'll slowly grab my shield off my back and have my hammer in hand. I'm going to prepare an action where if they start coming towards us as hostiles, I'm just going to cast Searing Smite. So you just kind of see some sparks flying off the end of my hammer. I, okay, I, I think we should just, just run, just ignore them. Let's see if we can get any sort of contact with them first. 
Okay. I'll take another step closer to them and just yell out a greeting. Hello? Silent. Perfectly still. Lobos, if these are your people, I would leave it up to you whether or not we deal with these guys now or later. Lobos looks from Blueberry to the two figures for a moment trying to figure out if he can recognize them. See him kind of go into a different mode. He pulls out his bow, draws an arrow. I'll ask again, if these were your people, what would you do? What would you do for them? I touch your arrow with my hand, whisper arcane druidic words, and it and all of your arrows in your quiver sort of flash with flames at the tip. I cast flame arrows. Yo! Whoa! Yo, nice. Okay. I turn then from Blueberry and I look at Jet. I'll get a couple feet closer to you. Is there any hope for them? Because if there isn't, then this is no way to be. I'm, I'm going to be honest. It, it feels as if they're gone. As if who they were before is not there. I don't know if fully or not, but they're no longer living in the way that you and I do. Can you make sure? I can try. I'll take a, a couple steps closer, see if they give any more reaction. You take a few steps. She's still a good 40 feet away from you. And as you move closer, you're getting more detail from her. You can see that she has like what looks like this big burn spot on the right side of her neck. And you hear rushing towards you. There's vines on the ground. They're slithering along the dirt. It looks like a large snake made from these vines, fangs and all, before it stops up into the air just five feet from you. The vines never stop moving. It forms a humanoid shape. Then horns come out of the head. The horns then turn to long braids of hair. The nose, mouth start to protrude like a dog with sharp teeth. This being is constantly morphing from one shape to another as the vines create different shapes. And it stands, not moving forward or backwards. I'll look back at Lobos, kind of give like an inquisitive eye. What should I do? How do you talk to this? I don't know. I've never seen this. You see green spores 20, 30 feet behind it. No, 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 no. And there's a wide set woman, long hair of dried leaves. It looks like the leaves woven together onto a string. It covers the entirety of her head and face. Her body has all these mushrooms growing all over it. And she holds a small pendulum in her hand that swings back and forth. All it is is a stick with a mushroom at the bottom that's slowly leaking these vibrant green spores. Mm -mm. I don't like this. Mm -mm. I will look past the vines forming shapes in, in front of me and I'll look past towards her and I'll, I'll yell out, I can see you back there. Do you mind coming out and speaking with us? I'm going to cover my face with a shirt or my cloak or something, like mouth and nose. Just cover all that up. Jet, this is again made from this wood, dried, dead leaves. And this woman stands 
the only movement is that little movement from her wrist that's making the pendulum move back and forth. I will hold my shield and hammer out to the side and just kind of like open chest, arms out, and take another step forward. I don't want to hurt you. I just, I just want to talk. I'll yell in druidic. Are you okay? There again is no response. The most movement you see are these vines changing from one being to another. The pendulum moving. The eye blinking. Other than that, like statues. I've been watching this exchange and I've been kind of scanning the group to see how they're taking this in. And I'm going to take a couple steps back and kind of start to flank around. And I'll say to the figure with the pendulum in Sylvan, going to start to speak to that figure and I'm going to look back around to see if anyone understands what I'm saying and how it's landing on the figure. Who are you? Do you need help? None of the vine beings respond. I'm going to again step closer to it and I'll pull my my shield and hammer towards my chest and kind of pound on my chest. I'm right here and you cannot talk to me. Is there something I can do for you? Is there anything that you need? How can I communicate with you? Please give me something. As I pound on my chest, I'm going to cast protection from good and evil on myself. I'm just backing away. I I just want to keep some distance. Staying away from her. I'm going to start to take steps back and I'm going to repeat the same phrase that I said, but I'm going to say it in different languages each time. The next time I say it, primordial, then infernal, then celestial. And after that, if I get no response, I'm going to stop. You try. You try. You do not see any recognition on these faces. I got two of them. I understood two of those. I'm going to get into position. I start to back up and I go back towards Xander. And starting in Infernal, but ending in Celestial, I will say, let's see what you can do. And I'm going to go around a tree and take the hide action. Give me stealth. Pass that trace is still active. Amazing. 28 for my stealth. Hell yeah. Lobos, you're able to duck behind a tree. You have those arrows that are aflame. One knocked the rest in your quiver. I will hold my position for now. Even though I'm not expecting these things to attack right now, Xander would like to just be prepared to fire off some Eldritch Blasts if they turn hostile. But for right now, he's just kind of watching the whole thing play out. I'm going to quickly cast Longstrider on myself first level. Not concentration, so flame arrows stay. Jet, what? What are we doing? Are we just waiting for them to come to us? Are we going in on this? I don't know. I, I don't want to fight it, but if if it is somebody that he knows, we have to do something about it. We can't just let him go. I feel like he would do the same for us. You're sure they're dead? There, there's no hope for him? I don't feel anything from them. I feel nothing but death. Can't leave him like this, can we? What if what we were saying before is true? What if we can bring them back somehow? We don't know how this world works yet. That's what I'm afraid of. Maybe there is something we can do. 
Exactly. Say, say we get to the heart of this thing and we, and we cure it all and then everything just kind of goes back to normal. That dude doesn't have his head on. I don't think we want him coming back. That's a good point. Maybe the chain is just his spine. Yeah, that doesn't make it better, bro. Also, I definitely don't trust those spores. No. Those spores look like when we were on that ship. Hey, you know what? I feel like something spoke to me recently. I feel like I, kn I know something that I can, like, I can just... I feel warm. And Xander, like, snaps. Because after hearing the comparison to the ship with the spores... He's out of this. He does not want to deal with that again. On the lady with the spores, I'm gonna cast Flame Strike. So that's a 10 foot radius, 40 foot high cylinder centered on a point Sheesh, within range. Dude. And you have to make a deck save of 16. That is a failure. Nice. So that's 4d6 of fire and 4d6 of radiant. God damn. 15 fire. 19 radiant. You can see it starts burning through the leaves, the wood, but quickly dissipates. This wood looks like it might not be completely natural. It does burn. And you hear Everyone roll initiative. <laughs> I know it. 17 for Jet. 17 for Sebastian. 19 for Blue. Dirty 20 for Xander. 21 for Lobos. Goddamn. You have plus two to Dex? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, just D20 and we're just rolling off. Wait, wait, wait. Do you want to go on the same turn? You want to collab? Do some fun shit? Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. I love it. I live for that kind of gaming. I have no idea how much that excites me. I'm so excited. So, let's get started. Lobos, you are first. You are hidden behind these trees. You're off to the eastern side of this path. Jet is right up in the mix with all four of these creatures. Well, well, well. So, <laughs> this is going to seem anticlimactic because Lobos is going to wait. I'm really curious about what this uh, paladin's going to do. I am going to wait. I see the flame strike happen, and I'm ready to take an action, but I'm watching Jet and holding. Yeah, so just let me know when you want to come back in. Xander, you're up, and Blueberry, you're on deck. Y'all, I don't think it looks like fire does much, but um, maybe just getting hit does, and I'm going to fire a couple Eldritch Blasts. Still at the Spore Lady. 27 hit and 26 very much hits first hit does 13 the second does also 13 you hit one right in the arm the other one with the hand that is holding the pendulum and you can see it swings further off to the side she darts her eyes directly at you Xander blueberry you're up Sebastian you're on deck how many feet away from Spore Lady would you say I am? We'll say 40. All right. I'm going to run up to where I am within 15 feet of her. And as a bonus action, 
I'm going to wild shape into a giant white octopus. <laughs> what now? Okay. A giant white octopus who can hold its breath for one hour. Smacker with the tentacle. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Oh, God. Oh, no, that's a 10. Woohoo! Ooh, 10's not gonna do it. <laughs> yeah, just, just the one. I'm just gonna wiggle my tentacles at her menacingly. Blueberry, that is your turn. Sebastian, you're up. And Jet, you're on deck. Jet and Sebastian, you're up. I'm so excited for this. Yes. Uh. Okay, so I have an idea for something I need to do. I don't know how it's gonna work exactly. But I thought I'd just get out of the way because it might change how you do things, Sebastian. I'll play along. You do what you do best, boo-boo. Okay, okay. So I jumped off pebbles to walk up towards this creature. I'm just going to look back and yell for her and have her run up to me. And I'm just going to jump on her back. As that is happening with my prepared action, I'll have Searing Smite cast on my on my hammer. Wait, before he runs away, I'm going to use my movement and jump on the back of pebbles. Yo. <laughs> Cute. I got a hand on Jet's left shoulder and the other on Daisy. This is a little higher than I expected it to be. Nice jump, though. Thank you. Wait, Xander, where'd Lobos go? Uh, I'm not at liberty to disclose that information for his safety, I think. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, when you see him, give him this. And I throw Xander a pair of extra guitar strings. Just whenever you see him. Tell him to use it on his bow. <laughs> That's me casting Bardic Inspiration on Lobos so he can, like, attach it to his <laughs> bowstring. And... Dope. We'll get as close as possible to that. It's, what, five feet in front of me, you said? Yeah. With my Searing Smite, I'll try to take a hit at it. Swing down. Go ahead and give me that with advantage. I rolled 17 twice, so... 23? That definitely is going to hit. Uh, 17 to hit for the second. Both of those hit, and it fails its con save. 13 from the hammer, and then Searing Smite. Plus one, so 14 altogether, I believe. Sebastian, you still have an action. Yes, so when Jet goes down for the, the swing of the hammer, I'm assuming he kind of reels his shield back a little bit so he can get that range. As the shield is back, I clip the portable amp onto the top of the shield, and I just yell, BLOCK! And then when he brings the shield back down, I'm going to cast a second level Thunder Wave. So like from the shield with a little power cord on the back. So that's a con save of 17, please. I, I rolled three natural fours in a row. So that is another fail. Beautiful. Holy cow. Oh, 17 thunder damage and it's pushed back 10 feet. Nice. From a nice little power cord off the back of pebbles. The vines slither around Jet's able to hit it a few times. It was trying to move out of the way, but it is pushed back that 10 feet. All right, I'll get right up on it as it's getting pushed back. I'm, 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 I'm next. He's jumping in. Hey. <laughs> so I'm hidden. The first thing I'm going to do is with my bonus action, I'm going to cast Hunter's Mark on the uh, shape-shifting one. Then I'm going to uh, emerge from the side of the tree, and I'm going to hit it with one of my flaming arrows. All right, you have advantage. Ooh. I'm going to do a sharpshooter on this one. Oh. With sharpshooter, this is 22 to hit. 
22 to hit. So a sharpshooter is, uh, takes five away from my attack, but if I still hit, then I add an extra 10 to the damage. Yes. So that hits. Okay, so I have a flaming arrow, I have my hunter's mark, I have my bow, and plus 10. Goddamn! God! 23 regular, 3 flaming. Holy shit. Oh gosh, it does not look good after that. I'm gonna take my second attack. You may. Oh my god. <laughs> the arrow just whizzes by and I just go, Jesus Christ! But you do a Vinspo. I just yeet the strings at him as soon as I see him. Uh, I see that the, the, the string on, on my bow is kind of glowing with this like shimmering energy. And there's like this a little bit of like, I don't know what music kind of emanating from it. A little bit of a sound. Hmm. Uh, a sharpshooter on this one as well. 16 plus 13 is 29 minus 5. 24 to hit. Woo! 13! Yeah, that hits. 20 from my bow. Plus 5 from the flame arrow. First one. This thing is just getting up from being downed. You hit it right where its abdomen is. And again, it keeps on moving and changing, but your arrow gets stuck in it and you can actually see it starts to like ignite a flame. And you can see a bunch of these vines because of how it continues moving. It's allowing the fire to spread faster and faster as this second one comes and hits it right in the head, bursts into flame, falls to the ground. Hey. Good shooting. So then I'm going to move next to Xander. Xander's closer than I am. 10, 20 feet. So I'm going to then zip over right by Xander. And as the the bowstrings magically go from near where he was into my actual bow, the Bardic Inspiration string, I turn to Xander and I say, "Ah, not much for peace talking, are we? We had a pretty bad experience with those spores before, so I'm not taking any more risks. That's not a bad thing to do here. My eyes are now on Spore Lady. Good thing, because Spore Lady starts to move. Moving closer to Jet and Sebastian, it's just about 10 foot further. Wait, did she leave my range? Technically, yeah. I forgot you have that crazy freaking range with those octopus tentacles. 21 to hit. Oh, wow. Yeet very much hits. Mm Yeah. Getting slapped by some calamari. (laughs) (laughs) Twelve bludgeoning. And it's grappled. Escape DC 16. As you grapple it, you bring it up in the air and your tentacle just goes right through it. The different pieces of wood fall to the ground. Oh, okay. Oh, wait. In a good way, right? (laughs) She was able to crush through what was left of this thing. You can see the uh, pendulum with that mushroom falls right to the ground. So the only two left already, the woman you saw initially with that burnt mark, as well as the man with the chain neck made of vines. The closest they have is, Jet, you look over to the woman that you were trying to plead with. All of a sudden, you finally see a jaw unhinged. It it looks like it just falls. And you hear, not words, but sounds. Jet, does a 23 hit you? Yeah. That is 20 poison damage, and I need a constitution saving throw. 22. You are not poisoned. Though the man with the head on a chain runs up next to you and Sebastian and you can see the body starts winding up like a decapitated flail. 
I need both Sebastian and Jet to make dexterity saving throws. 23. Passes. 10 for me. Yikes. Pebbles gets 21. Jet, you are a little bit worried about Pebbles. You are trying to like make sure they bow out and get out of the way. Sebastian's able to just barely stay on Pebbles, but this thing does hit you and you are taking 13 bludgeoning damage. And this thing looks angry and you can see it blink. And then again, jaw opens. It makes two more attacks against you, Jet. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Oh my God. This is essentially a accent surge. Right. Okay. That's only a 10 to hit, Jet. No. That's a 21 to hit. Yes. All right, Jet, you are taking, oh, min damage. No, four bludgeoning damage. And we are back to the top of the order with Xander. Xander, you got Neckman and whatever this weird witch lady is. (laughs) Neckman. Hello, Neckman. All right, I'm just Eldridge blasting him again. I'll go for the Dizzy Man. Dizzy. Nat one. And uh, 17. 17 hits. Do I roll the damage or are you going to do something to me for the one? Roll the damage. Okay. (laughs) 12. You see that Eldritch Blast goes right by him and hits Pebbles. Oh, no. What the fuck? I'm so sorry. 13. You're able to just blast through its shoulder, full arm flies off. Octopus Blueberry, you are up, and Sebastian, you're on deck. I have 20 feet of movement, 15 foot reach. Can I get up to Wobbly Headman? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Waddle on over there, and 16 to hit. That hits? Ah! Nine bludgeoning, and he's grappled. Jebastian, it's your turn. I'm gonna pat Jet on the back. Don't wiggle too much. I gotta play you something. I put both hands on Daisy. I almost like whisper in Jet's ear. I'm gonna take my Jet to the Witch Van Grove. He gonna fight till he can't no more. <laughs> for some bardic inspiration for you, Jet. Jet gets a little bit of like a flush in his cheeks. So what we're gonna do. We're going to jump over Sebastian and I on Pebbles. We're going to jump over this. We're between the two. As we're going over, I'm going to swing down and try to hit it in the head while it's grappled. Give me your attack with advantage. 18 to hit. Hits. And as we come down, I'll spin Pebble around and I'll just swing for the head again as we're swinging back. 27 to hit. Give me the damage for both of those rolls. Beautiful. 15 damage. So Jet, as you're jumping over, you swing down with the Warhammer. You can see the head pops up like a ball on a string and you hit it backwards. And then it comes back forward, almost like a recoil. And as you swing back and hit it again, you can hear this chain, those vines snap as the head continues further down the path. Blueberry, you can again feel the wood stop moving in your hand and just fall to the ground. Well, shit, I guess I'll go after the other one. Just drop the wood chips again. (laughs) I'll use my action to steady my crossbow on Jet's shoulder and take a shot at the last one. Last one. 
The first one you saw, the last one you have left. 21. Hits. Four piercing damage. <laughs> That's minimum damage. Lobos. Yeah. I knock another flaming arrow and I loose it. Bonus action is to mark that enemy. Ooh, it, okay, so that's a 20 to hit. That hits. Excellent. Okay, so weapon damage, Hunter's Mark, Flaming Arrow. Oh, man. Wow, almost max damage. So this is 30 weapon damage plus 5 with my Flaming Arrow. Oh, my oh, oh, God. Good God. Okay, okay. That's my first attack. <laughs> Second attack, same thing, sharpshooter. Oh, that is a 19 plus 13 minus 5 to hit. It's a lot of math, but I'm pretty sure it hits. <laughs> Holy <Yep>. shit. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. 26 weapon damage plus another 5 flaming arrow. Lobos, it's yours. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> okay, so... Lobos runs into position. You see him slide. As he's sliding, he lets loose one flaming arrow that flies through the air and pierces this figure through that kind of open jaw, goes right into it. And then another one follows right afterwards, striking right into the arrow that's lodged into their mouth. And both of the arrows burst out onto the other side, flames sparking everywhere. And you hear a hum of a guitar string kind of echoing through it. He watches the figure fall to the ground and stands there ready to see what the party does. Damn. Sebastian looks at Lobos and then down at his crossbow. Shit's useless. <laughs> Hey, yo, good shooting, bro. I can say the same to you. I'm going to go up to the paladin. What do you do with these? With whatever is left of them. I'll jump down from pebbles and kind of store my hammer and shield on her. Walk over to one of the bodies and just, just examine it. If you came up upon what these look like right now, it would just look like a broken tree branch in a normal forest or like an area of detritus that's just been broken and fallen down from whatever but because of this weird forest landscape with the different colors the vibrant colored grass it looks so out of place because this is more like traditional woods though as you're looking it definitely has magical components to it they're no longer moving you don't see any anything super exciting as i'm checking them out i'd like to ask lobos if any of these faces look familiar to you in any way do you think it might be somebody that you've met in your past i will examine them alongside him to search for that jet you do need to give me a constitution saving throw with advantage Ooh. as you get a little too close to the spores while trying to figure out what this last one looks like how'd that thing not burn up <laughs> it was in a cone of fire i'm gonna start smacking the mushroom with tentacles crushing it I might make it worse, but who knows? That's 12 for Jet. You have inspiration. You might as well. It only lasts like 10 minutes. Right. That's a one. So 13. Ah, oh. 
Chat, roll me a d4. Great. It's a two. Chat, as you are looking down, you see that the woman on the ground is Blueberry. And then you look up, and all of a sudden, there's a plant monster riding pebbles. And then there's a viney octopus. And then there's Xander and Lobos. <laughs> you don't know really who is your friend and who is your foe right now. So I'll turn and look at Pebbles, see one of the monsters on it. I will grab for my hand axe off my back, scream for her, and throw it towards the monster under her back. Oh, God. Romaine attack roll on Sebastian. Oh, my God. Can I try to intercept it with an Eldritch Blast? <laughs> I don't know if you want to because that's a natural one. Let's go. Huh. The natural one could just be me actually hitting the fucking thing with the Eldritch Blast. You try to throw this axe, Jet, and you see that Xander shoots this Eldritch Blast and is actually able to hit the axe just enough. It doesn't like completely throw it out of the sky, but it breaks that trajectory off to the left and it clatters to the ground. And you look at Xander and Xander is the one who shot this. Jet, what the hell? Yo, Jet, what are you doing? Xander, do you not see that one on, on Pebbles? What are you doing? That's Sebastian. What do you mean? I do a wiggle. <laughs> he just wiggled. Sebastian I wiggled. I run for it and I try to tackle it off. You see Sebastian wiggling. It's us, Jeff. It's us. <laughs> oh, what the hell just happened? Um, Sebastian, you were not you. What are you doing? How did you turn to vines? Why were you a monster? Can you come down, please? I need to give you a hug. I am so sorry. Uh, yeah, I'll hop off Pebbles. Give her a little pat. I tackle him to give him a hug. Oh, Jesus. I'm sorry, buddy. I'm sorry. See, these folks have never done mushrooms before. They can't be doing them now. This is a bad time. We are not in the right environment, y'all. You need a buddy. You need a safe place. Had I recognized any of them? None of them look familiar to you. Hmm. I'll share that with the group. Am I aware of any other towns or cities that are also on the outskirts of this forest, but in other areas of it? Outskirts? No. You have heard of child stories. These used to be scary stories that people would tell around the campfire. There was a town that people used to say, like, now inhabited by the forest. They used to call it Landabore. As that's all registering, the word, the name of that town just falls out of my... Mouse Landabore. There's a, a an old wives' tale, really, a, a children's story meant to scare kids. I don't recognize any of them. They're not my people. But if this place is real, then maybe this is where they're from. Would you still like us to dispose of them? I, I don't want to say bodies, but the... The remains? Yeah. I don't require that of our enemies... But whatever it is that you feel you need to do, now's the time to do it. If you want to gather them up, we could do kind of like a funeral pyre if Lobos wants to lend an arrow. I'm going to start gathering them together with my tentacles. Oh, yo, imagine the card tower Blueberry could make right now. <laughs> Hello, I'm Wheels, the Dungeon Master for Storybreakers. Love Critical Role and movies like Hot Fuzz and Spotlight? Actual play series Storybreakers combines the fantasy adventure of Dungeons & Dragons with small town comedy and mystery in an episodic tale of journalists on the hunt for the secret underbelly of a tiny town where nothing seems to happen. 
but excuse me if I don't think a bunch of ragtag journalists from a podunk town are actually going to be of any help. But technically, I don't come from here. When the mysterious arrival of a celebrity from the Heroes and Adventurers Guild sets off a strange conspiracy, the group will have to leave what they think they know about the world at the door, if they're ever to unravel the truth at the heart of this seemingly nondescript town. It's not front page of the Sussaistan. I pull up the, the today's, like, installment of the news to see what the front page actually is. There's a big picture of a pumpkin that's been stepped on, and it says, Outrage as pumpkin stepped on. <laughs> Storybreaker Season 1 in its entirety is available for listening right now wherever you get your podcasts. With Season 2 on the way. Find out more at Dicebreaker.com Blueberry starts gathering them up, putting them all in a pile. They are motionless. They are a conglomeration of wood. A kind of fucked up bonfire with heads and legs all made of wood. Someone light it. Lobos, do you want to lend us an arrow and at least put their spirits to rest, I guess? Whatever might be left. I do. I'll, I'll pull out an arrow and I look at I'll look at Xander. Anything you want to do to help them in their rest? And you can see on my face that this entire time this ritual has sort of been happening. It's odd to me that you are taking care of these things that I didn't have an attachment to, and I basically said, you don't need to do this on my behalf. He watched you all do this with an intense curiosity. And from that, asked Xander this question. And Xander kind of like looks around at everyone for like a secondism. I don't think so. I'm good. Then he looses the arrow. Sets that on fire. Jet. I want... A wisdom saving throw from you. <gasps> really? Nine. Jet, you see this small fire starts. And you see the woman who you'd been trying to talk to. The face just happens to be looking right at you. Disheveled as it is, broken down as it is from those earlier arrows, a crack of fire spurts up. And in that instant, you remember the way Ermina looked at you as she turned ablaze and tried to destroy you. And this face looks oddly like her. Did anyone else see that? What? The the face in the fire. It, it, it was right above it. It looks so familiar. I think we all see things in the flames. I didn't see anything in this flame. I didn't see a face. I saw a donkey. You saw a donkey? Oh, that's weird. I saw Shrek. Oh! <laughs> if only Blueberry did see something, then we could recreate the movie in the fire. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, just quiet down and kind of keep the rest of that to myself. You're okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm alright. Just want to make sure that everybody's, uh, everybody's okay before we go. Lobos is just taking them all in starting to put together the dynamic between them and recalling when when Lobos spoke to Xander about who amongst his peers he trusts the most. Well, uh, if we're done here, we need to keep moving. We're going to very likely encounter a lot more of those. Great. Yeah, you're right. I'm ready to go when you are. You don't have any idea of what these things actually were in the end? 
just creatures that were, at least up until now, to me, not more than a fairy tale meant to tease kids with. So this this place in the forest, maybe maybe it's not a myth, maybe it's real, and maybe that's the source of all of this trouble. Can I take a picture of the fire? Just like as we're walking away. Ooh. Xander, as you look at the picture, grass right in front of the fire says Blightmore. Small in the trees, you see Nomura. But the fire looks like blood dripping up into the sky. And the wood, body parts. Oh. Um, I would say that Xander would be expecting something weird and is like, actively trying to stay stoic through it but even that would cause at least a flash of recognition of something horrifying it's it, again it's like xander's trying really hard to not react to it in a way that everyone's gonna see but if someone were paying attention specifically to him while he's looking at that they would probably see it i think i would have heard the the flash with 19 passive perception, so I would have turned around. Turn back into an elf. <sighs> you good? Normal, weird picture? Yeah, I mean, you, um, you remember how I said that it used to say Nomura, now it says Blightmore? Well, I'm seeing both now, so... Okay, I mean, that, I guess that tracks. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's a little, little different. Guess we'll see how it goes. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Continuing on from here, Lobos, I'm assuming you're taking the front, going towards the dense part of the forest you want to go to. Yeah. I'm taking point, leading them through. If uh, Pass Without Trace, I think, might still be at... Ooh, wait a second. Let me look at this. It is concentration, so that Ooh, is gone. Huh? So I'm going to... I think just to be safe. I am going to gather them up and cast it one more time once we start moving. Everyone give me self rolls. 21. 27. 27. 27. Yo! Oh, oh shit! <laughs> I'm ruined it. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I rolled low for me, which is weird. I got a 22. <laughs> How am I still the worst with a 21? <laughs> You continue on from here, a little bit quieter, a little bit more alert now that something has happened. And the area around changes a bit more than you saw previously. Same trees still around, but now they are covered in different funguses and moss all along the bark. There are some smaller bushes here, some very oddly shaped plants along the ground, like Lobos. You even haven't seen these. You can even see the ground here has a purple hue to it. After some time, the smells keep changing, the forest continually gets more dense, and it's kind of a tense walk. But ahead, especially Lobos, you see what looks like a building or two. There's more, but they're hard to see in the denseness of the forest. I will stop the group and point that out to them. I, I can I can scout ahead with, uh, with Nomura. Can I just send Nomura invisible up towards 
near the top of the tree line, so it's like above stuff and can get a top-down view. Namora sees ruins. Maybe two or three dozen buildings, but it is hard to tell where one starts and another stops in the destruction. Again, they're mostly wooden, have cobblestone foundations, and these alien-like trees and vines just completely engulf some buildings. You can see a tree growing on a nearby roof. Its roots just desolated the windows and walls and completely engulfed the inside of a building. From what you can hear from Nomura, it's like an eerily silence. There's very little wind here, even though Nomura is up in the air. Leaves not blowing about as much, and there's just this stillness here. From Nomura's eyes, you can see there are dead bodies, skeletons, long, long past. Life's so far gone. Dirty brown bones. Some are being lifted into the air by branches and vines. Full skeletons that should be picked apart or like if something's in the air, like the legs would fall apart. There's no tendons or anything. There's no connective tissue left, but they're still being preserved in the original shapes by the vines that bind them in place. One thing you do see here is the largest building of the town. Still relatively well put together. This is completely made of stone. It has a fallen over tower. But for the most part, the rest of the building is still standing. From in front of that building, there's like a large stone wall. And you can see there is a more recently dead body here. I give them the description of the town with the skeletons and everything. The weird part is there's like a more recent body up ahead. Like it's real quiet in there. It might be safe. But, like, don't put down your guard. Someone died recently up there. So we may want to go take a look. But the whole village was in ruins? And there's somehow a recent body? That's so... bizarre. Lobos, do you know what we're looking for? Like, is this even worth looking at? I think everything here is worth looking at. I want to know what is causing this. Because it's now threatening my home. That body might be somebody from from Umberdale. Fair enough. Then let's go check it out. This is very strange, because I've never seen an interaction between nature of this sort like this forest. We're used to it because we've lived on the edge of it, but we've always understood it as as some kind of a threat that we needed to fight off, beat back, knowing that if it were to ever to overtake us, it would not be good. But I never thought that this forest itself would not just cause death, but would not preserve it, I don't know the word, but would do that, would 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 keep it like that. Almost like a warning. Maybe. <sighs> okay, um, I'm going to move forward towards that body. You have to go around a couple of these buildings, and it looks mostly ruins. There's not much left here other than walls and foundations. Very few have roofs, and those that do already have trees growing on them, and they look pretty precarious. You move over to that more recently dead body. What you can see is that big stone building behind it, and this man. No flesh, no muscle, it grips to the bones, but this has less decay than the other. The bones are still pretty white, and it too is engulfed in these vines. And Lobos, just above it, carved into the stone, it says... Here lies Despo Belandri, taken by the forest. And you know this to be one of the council members. The rest of this stone wall was carved into as well. 
It writes, Heed this warning. If the forest still breathes, if the forest still expands, then the council has failed. If the council has failed, the war is over. This be the future fate of Umberdale. What is this place? Was this the place from those tales that you heard growing up? It seems to be. But honestly, that doesn't interest me as much as the admission of of what the actual threat is. I don't understand. We took for granted this forest. We thought it was, again, just a, a part of our task. But this is far more dangerous than I think anyone in Umberdale can even understand or is willing to, was ever willing to admit why now? Why why is why is this threat growing now? We've been here for so long. Why is it there has to be something here? Some sort of source. Yeah, something just just kickstarting it or exponentially growing. Maybe it just hit that point of no return. Or someone gave it extra power or something. <sighs> I have two two theories running right now. One could be that there's some sort of magistrate funny business that's like powering this up. Maybe. I don't know. They're just trying to sow some chaos or something to show that they can be uh, they can be helpful. Maybe we got shot down by like a submarine that they got planted in the water outside the forest. Maybe. I don't know. That's theory number one. Theory number two is that I had, I feel like I've been called to this place several times between seeing Blightmore in the pictures and getting told about this place by the people that we asked about it and, you know, like, dreams or whatever. What if us coming through and me having some sort of connection to this was the catalyst that started powering this up, you know? Like, what if what if the power that I've that I've got, these, these like, purple marks on my hands and the my eyes and these blasts and whatever, like, what if that's coming from the power that's building up this forest. I think you're right. I think we're all right. I think it's all three, and it ends with you. We got confirmation that the Arcanum and Volazar was the ones who were trying to merge the planes, and we got confirmation that the planes were merged on the Fuchven Forest. That was, I mean, not recent, but if that's what caused the exponential growth of the forest, just some plane seeping into here and giving it that extra power, like Blueberry said, that's something to take note of. And then if it ends with some being coming through that plane and contacting you and leading you here, is it trying to use you? Do you do you think that somehow Xander is giving the forest power? I think the forest is trying to give Xander power. Or something in this forest. Say we end up destroying this power. Do you think that's going to affect Xander in some way? It might. I mean, I might not be able to do any magic tricks anymore, but I, I'll still be here. But what if it somehow hurts you in the end, too? Hey, man, I'm just one life. I'm willing to put myself down if it's going to save a whole town. Yes, you're one life, but you're our family. It, it doesn't work like that. If it turns out that it's hurting you, and if we find a, a thing to fight, if it's hurting you, then we run and we we evacuate the town. 
Well, we'll figure it out. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Just don't go jumping off it. Lobos goes right up to Xander. Do you mean that, Xander? You mean to put your own life on the line to save people you don't even know? I mean, yeah, like, realistically, like, one life for many has always made sense to me. And if that's mine, that makes it easy. Like, I, I got that decision made. And he, I'll turn to the rest of the group. You've known him for how long? A few months. So you don't know him so well at all, do you? I didn't think you would go to that length, but I guess it makes sense. What if it were one of you instead? Would you trade your own life to save those people in that city that you don't even know? I would look for other options first, but ultimately... Yeah. It wouldn't be an easy decision, but it's one you gotta make. If it's something that had to be done, then it's done. I already knew you would say that, Jack. I don't think it's ultimately necessary. I think we can exhaust other options by forcing the town to evacuate. Stuff like that. I'm here because I need to find the source of whatever this is. And you're still willing to see that through. Yeah. Absolutely. I think we have to. We're here. And you feel Xander called here or connected to this? Your powers coming from whatever this forest is? I mean, this place used to be called Blightmore, and I've been seeing that everywhere, so I feel like there's got to be something. Do you have any understanding of where you get your powers from? Not even a little bit. Do any of you have any understanding as to why you can do the things that you do? You've mentioned this before, a little. I mean, for me, it's just... I think I just have a more natural spiritual connection to nature than the rest of these guys. I just know how to riff. The longer I'm in this land, the more I feel like this has something to do with it, and I'll point to my pendant on my chest. Other than that, I I feel like it's inside me, and I pound on my chest. Look, um, I don't even know how to begin to give you this crash course, but I am familiar with people like you from, from this realm. Blueberry, yeah, you have a connection to nature, and it's not that different from mine, and that's sort of where I can draw upon my powers from a different angle. Sebastian, yeah, you riff. And somewhere in the threads of song and music, there is the voice of creation. And there are some people who can bend that to their will. Jet, you are all heart. A lot of people that walk the path that you do. A guardian, a knight of something bigger than all of us. Your convictions, your belief, whatever that is, your faith, your power comes from that. Some of these things are th also what we need to confront inside of ourselves and things from our past. Xander, yours is, seems slightly different from everybody else's. You are different from your friends. You have a darker edge. And you are surprising in your moments of empathy, I guess, and care. I'm surprised that you would be willing to put your life on the line like you said. And honestly, I don't know if I believe it. But whatever it is that you're connected to, that's where your power comes from. And sometimes that bargain 
isn't what you hoped it might be. But make no mistake, somebody like you makes a bargain to get what they have. And sometimes we're blind to what that contract might actually be. Could he make a bargain without knowing? The last contract I signed was for the movie. I think it was an NDA. But hey, I mean, I've mentioned it before. We, I've, I've been through some shit and my memory's not the best. So maybe, I don't know. I think that all four of us and now you Lobos, like we're all people that have gone through some, some stuff. But this last month has been wild for us. And I, I don't really have a grasp on even like how I'm taking these first baby steps with this. Whatever happened to me has got a lot of power. I feel like there's a lot of things that I could do with this. And I don't have any sort of like moral sense of being high and mighty or holier than thou or any anything like that. I like, And I, I'm honestly probably be selfish in a lot of ways. But we've gotten mixed up in some pretty wild shit here between the magistrate and this whole forest and all the people that we've run into and we've probably created a lot more messes than we fixed so far so even if i'm not the most morally ambiguous or like lawfully good i still feel kind of responsible for what's going on here i i know that we seem to be babies to you in this world but in our world i've grown enough to know how to judge somebody's character when it comes to xander all of us have at some point we've entrusted our lives in his hands and as you can see and i point to all of us we're all still standing here i trust him as much as i trust her and i point at blueberry and as much as i trust him and i point at sebastian i don't know about you but that says a lot to me it does you will need to rely on that with each other more than you think I have a lot of questions for you, and not enough time. But you need to heed this warning. You're so much more trusting than you should be. This world must not be anything like the one that you come from. People here will use you, will try to control you, will trick you, will lie to you, and will do whatever it takes to earn your trust, and then use it against you. That's exactly where we come from. Yeah, that sounds a lot like Hollywood, actually. That's Yeah, but it doesn't end in death like here. No. Well, as far as we know. Our, our world may be filled with, like, lies and deceit. I don't know, back where we're from, it's just human nature to trust someone until they give you a reason not to. But I feel like the more we're experiencing different cities and cultures and towns and groups and everything that we've run into here... I think we're getting, despite our <laughs> introductions with you, I think we're getting a little bit better about it. I've known you for how long? Less than 24 hours. I know a lot about you. Probably more than anyone we've ever talked to, actually. <laughs> that is uh, interesting to know. Xander, can you just promise me that if we come up against some power in this forest and when we hurt it it hurts you you have to tell us pinky promise i was just about to hold out the pinky 
This is a very unusual custom. I'm not sure what the purpose of this is. Get your pinky out, Lobos. It's a sign of promise and justice. Justice? It's it's a bond that cannot be broken more than any other bond. Well, let me give you the lesson that I was trying to earlier in real time. I'm going to sit this one out because I don't know you and I don't know what this ritual is and I don't know what this bond is. Yeah, that makes sense. That's fair. Down the road, I will pinky promise something. Just not yet. Okay. It's really just Xander that I needed to make the statement anyway, so... Yeah, no, I, I, I will... I will not throw myself down on the line immediately. If we hurt something and it hurts me back because we hurt it... No, that sounds like just a normal fight. <laughs> uh, if, <laughs> if you guys hurt something and that causes me to be hurt when the action that you do to it does the hurting... Uh-huh. I will say something that is hopefully a little bit clearer than what I just said. Good enough for me. Thank you. Pinky, promise, kiss my thumb. As we all kiss our thumbs, a big Pomeranian paw goes right in the middle of the pile. <laughs> 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 all right. If, if this town left a warning on the outskirts, that means people probably left. And if there's a recent body here, against my better judgment, I think we should look around it, at least for a second. I'm going to check out the Fallen Tower. Yeah, that the building that's attached to that as well. So Xander, you're looking at the building behind the wall, and Blueberry, you're trying to look at the tower. Xander, we'll start with you. The building behind the wall looks to be some sort of temple, communal area type thing. Again, much of this here is made of stone. It's like the only fully stone building in the whole village shows its importance and this too has just been taken over by these trees there's crushed stones all around the ground ripped up in some cases you see what used to be large windows with no tops to them and it lets in that natural light from above the back of this large open room from the era you are walking in from has what looked to be the leftovers of a stone altar it is surprisingly well intact though there is a tree here that has found its way for its roots to dig through the stone ground, and it's kind of covering a lot of the altar. I would like to investigate the altar. You get up to the altar. You can see that the tree that's just a couple feet away, its roots have wrapped itself around this altar, and you can actually see glimpses of writing, carving of some kind on the side of this altar that you can't see all of it because of the roots. Can I cut it away with the uh, jeweled dagger? The dagger doesn't do a whole lot, but it takes some time. And the first thing that you hit out, you can see the first line of what looks like a pretty long passage. And it says, We elder few have gained ill favor with the trees. Knowledge taken, locked away. Peculiar branches bound to take it back. Land set to crumble. Hidden the knowledge will lie. Forest secrets be kept no longer. Unseen where no branch may enter. Arrive upon the crossing, parched though it be, along that which flows in autumn not fall. Find the hollowed stump, shockingly black. Follow the path spoken in dog, guided by bear, brown as dirt. Fight fire with fire, roots with roots. Which fen forest, which kin for it. 
most unusual choice, a most unique message. Nature be damned, mother be praised, knowledge for mind, taken to heart, left for the next, to triumph before invasion. What? Wow. I'll take a picture of that so I can bring it with me to the to the rest of the group. Y'all, I found a clue. <laughs> a clue? A clue? I'll read that out to them from the camera picture. Thank God you took a picture of that. There's no way I would remember that. Bro, you remember you ha- you write songs. How do you not supposed to how do you not remember that? Like lyrics? This is just lyrics and no rhyme. Oh my god, you should put this in music. Sebastian takes out his lyric notes and starts picking out different lines from the, from the poem. <laughs> Part of this sounds like instructions, no? Yeah, it does. It's like a it's like a, a riddle, like a scavenger hunt. Yeah. Who here speaks dog? Pebbles. I I can speak dog at some you know sometimes. Oh wait, do they mean bark, like wood? Yeah, I think uh, so. Yeah. Follow the path. Bark Clever. path. I don't know about bear. Guided by bear. It could be like barren, like it's it, there's no bark there. You follow the path that's covered in bark till you find the one that has no bark because it's bear. Maybe some of these will make more sense the further that we go. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't pick this apart right now. I wonder. So, so Xander, you when you found this, did it look like? How did you access it? It was carved on the side of an altar. Who's to know how f- how far the council members got? Maybe they got this far and started to find the tracks, or or, or the trail for whatever this is. So I'm, I'm gonna, I'd like to search for tracks. I want to look for specifically human and elven tracks to see if how many lead here and how many maybe lead with some sense of purpose out of here in any direction. You so you see Lobo start to kind of scrutinize the, the ground and start to trace his hand around the shrubs and, 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 and the dirt. You notice that as he mutters to himself, humans, elves, there's something incredibly keen about the way he goes about searching for this. I get to roll with advantage on this. 25. As you're looking for tracks, you can see some more recent than others. Potentially, the council, this is kind of where they lost one of theirs, and they continued on, and they looked like they continued on to the west. One thing you do see is no recent tracks whatsoever into this temple. Ooh, I will share all of that. But you head to the west just trying to see where they go, and you actually hear a small stream, and there is a bridge that goes across it, very small, you can see that they continued further west into the forest. And this is where you believe the denser, deeper forest to be. Mm, This is not the center of all of this by any means. It's, and I point to the west, somewhere over there where things will likely get worse. Does anyone need a rest while we're here? Or are we crossing this bridge and delving deeper? Hey, didn't your po- did your poem say something about a bridge? A crossing. Arrive upon the crossing, parched though it be. Is a bridge a crossing? Oh, well, kind of. It can be. Yeah. Yeah. And there's the sound of a creek. Why would it say parched? Oh, if it's like a little tiny creek. <laughs> it would be parched. Parched though it be. Oh, so it used to be 
probably a bigger river, and now it is parched. I don't know if it matters, uh, but don't fall in. Uh, it's the this second line is like along that which flows in autumn, not fall. I don't know. That seems sketchy. Don't fall. Who wants to cross the bridge first? I'll jump on top of pebbles and just kind of lead the way. Oh, okay. Maybe one at a time. I follow. Okay. Same. Along that which flows in autumn, not fall. I don't know if it, it, it if the bridge had nothing to do with the fall part. Are we looking for something autumn-y? Wait, which flows in Like autumn? orange and like autumn colors? I don't like riddles. Can I smell for pumpkin spice in the air, please? Lobos, you can see the tracks where the council members went. This would be deeper into the forest. I will relay that. This is where they went. Oh, that's probably the best bet. And if they didn't make, make it out alive, then chances are they went the right direction. Do we follow along the stream and make sure we don't fall in? Let's let's follow the path first. We can always come back. For quite some time, you move through the forest. It looks more and more dense. A lot more ground cover now. Initially, like when you first encountered those wooden beings, there was not a lot of ground cover. Lobos, after good 30 minutes of walking, you're following these tracks as best you can. You see a clearing ahead. It's hard to judge right now what is in the middle of this clearing, but it is massive and spherical. I'll kind of like push ahead without saying much, just like pushing through them, heading towards that sphere, because I got to see it from a better angle. So moving up to the edge of the first, you see this clearing large circle, maybe 500 foot in diameter. It is huge. It's hard to judge, though, because this massive bulbous, it looks like a spherical cactus sits in your way. It has spines as big as lances covering this massive outer skin. It looks spherical, but it has ribs like a pumpkin, though it is green. And you see one of these large ribs ahead of you is split down the center, revealing what looks to be an entrance inside the massive plant. On these spines, however, impaled on them are bodies. It looks like the spines pierced them, and that is where corruption started. Vines hold these bodies loosely, almost giving them a protective covering safe from their faces. The bodies are surprisingly well-preserved, faces still visible to many, though others look completely decayed or corrupted, and it's unnatural. You can see the spines of the massive plants seem to corrupt them from where they've been pierced. Lobos, it quickly becomes apparent to you that many of these people are the old council members of Umberdale. What? And Xander, the entrance to this large plant, speaks to you. It seems both evil and good, positive and negative, and scary yet comforting. All these emotions flood you at once as you hear... This time louder than ever. Almost like he doesn't have a choice right now. He just starts heading towards the entrance. Xander, slow down. He's slowly picking up speed to, like, get to the entrance. He'll yell back, Just wait back for a second. 
Why? Trust me. Uh, stop. Blueberry, please be ready. Something, anything. Buddy, we're here for you. I'm just I'm just holding a thorn whip to grab him. Xander heading inside the massive plant, you immediately see the corrupted earth around stops as you go through the entrance. And the ground here is odd. It quickly turns from that dirt and grass to walking on the inside of a thick rind. The plant opens up into a large open space, a mostly spherical open void with these tendrils of green plant material. They go from one spot all the way to the other. They come from the ceilings to the floors to the walls. They create a net pattern or a web. They look like plant matter, yet they almost seem alive. And they converge in the center, holding a being. Or two? There are two bodies here, conjoined from the waist down. One in ashen gray, the other a muddled black. Both so unnatural, yet humanoid in shape. From the waist up. At the waist, their bodies conjoin. They mix colors and flesh down towards the ground as it becomes less human and more and more monstrous. A writhing mass, flesh, muscles, and tendons underneath that widen like the base of a mountain into a portal. It carves hundreds of feet down into the rind at the base of this plant. The portal is projecting a gray glow. Now you can't see into the portal all that well because this massive body that conjoins these two humanoids extends into the portal. You see insectoid legs, tentacles, hooves, all coming from different portions of the body. None of them moving. The humanoids themselves, too, remain motionless. Stuck in time like statues. The ashen gray has their hand outstretched towards the entryway where you came from. The darker figure, angrily looking at the gray figure. Their hands grabbing the gray one's throat. Hands of purple that fade up into the forearms. The only motion is the eyes of the beings which dart to meet yours as you enter. And for today, that's a wrap. Oh, oh shit. What, what is fuck? happening? Purple hands. I knew it was the purple hands. Thank you all so much for listening. This was an absolute blast and I am sweating. There's so much going on. Luis, thank you so much for joining us again. Please tell the people, tell them where they can find you. Everything oh, will be in the description below, yeah. but what do you do? Where can they get you? Oh, I, first, just let me say thank you just for letting me be here. It, it's such a blast to play with you all. It really is. I'm so involved and invested in this story. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, it's so cool. So thank you. Uh, and um, so uh, I, there's a couple things that I have going on. Uh, right now on Tuesday nights, I'm streaming live Outbreak Undead with uh, Hunter's Entertainment. Outbreak Undead is a TTRPG actual play, and it is set in a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> hey. Excellent. Yes. It's super cool. Uh, we are on the Pixel Circus uh, Twitch channel, and it's Tuesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific time. 
And I'm also on TV and film. I will be able to announce something that I am just worked on and then the thing that I'm working on now in the near future. So if you're interested in any of that stuff, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and I'll, I'll share all that stuff there. But come watch the zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Thank you again for being here. And thank you all so much for listening. And we will see you again next week on the Patreon where we're going to talk about all this craziness. And I'm excited to hear what these people think and what you think about this episode. We got Luis again in two more weeks for episode 53. So thank you all so much. And we will see you then. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Bye. I also waved and I know that they don't see me. Okay. I think I. Damn, Vince. <laughs> That's a base to it. Yeah. Even that pulling just... away from the mic, it's still yeah. coming. Yeah. I know. That thing just snuck up out of nowhere. <laughs> oh, damn. It looks like there's more than just the weird riddle on the altar. It's like another weird riddle. Or maybe a poem? Let me check it out. Two Eric's stand next to a beehive, and sorry I could not speak to both. One called Sainty Love, the other Eric Five, both brutally slain by war-torn night and desecrated by Ebab Flow. I looked to one, propped up to stand, and written in his forehead was Isuik. He pointed out to Jeff the Milkman, found deep in Jesky Fire's farmland, where Ash had planted a head on a steak. And now to the other, planted in cork from the masterful hand of Dubward, or more probably New York, the arms pointed outwards in either side of the fork, an invitation from Frankie to move forward. As I followed their directions asunder, Lexi's words rang loudly and on cue, Be wary of the forerunner, or Lord Asselberg's a goner, and thus is the story of Jude. Yo, what the fuck was even that? Who wrote this shit, man? They, they don't know how to write anything.